The Week in Bible Prophecy, a Prophecy Watchers podcast. Hello, I'm Gary Stearman, and welcome to This Week in Bible Prophecy. My guest is Tom Hughes, and Tom, welcome to This Week in Bible Prophecy. Hey, thank you, Gary. It's a delight to be here. We have so much to talk about. Uh, Tom has uh, written a book called Marking the Masses. And, you know, I've seen a lot of, of uh, books on Christian subjects in my life. And this one catches the spirit of the times, I think, in a way that uh, I haven't seen very much lately. And uh, I, I want to go into, first of all, how did you come up with uh, the, the cover of the book? Because it really, it's really suited to what's inside. Well, working with the publisher, the publisher... Uh, had this great idea, I think it's a brilliant idea, just looking at the whole book, the content of everything, and how the whole concept of the book even came about. And uh, so just put in this question into an artificial intelligence uh, program and ask the question, show me what the new world order might look like. And this is completely AI-generated, so it's not a compilation of what other people have put together, nor anything like that. And what's fascinating is on the cover, uh, you'll see a big pyramid, and then you can see these heads, you see these different lights. I have a friend who uh, worked for the military, and uh, one of the, you know, the secret stuff, he said he was down in Antarctica. And he goes, I was underneath things. There's buildings, there's all kinds of things in Antarctica that people don't know about. He said, that pyramid on the cover of your book, he goes, that looks so eerily like what I've seen that it, they have down there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, That's what I said. I didn't know that until he told me. And then we, we could go farther, but then somebody would come in and knock on our door and say, you can't talk about that. That's that's coming. We know that day's coming, don't we? Uh, we the do. knock is going to come on the door and they're going to say, look, the things that you guys talk about, you aren't going to talk about this anymore. Well, to me, the cover looks like the Tower of Babel, it, it, the modern day Tower of Babel. And, and you know, if you will, uh, AI and, and uh, the whole scientific system that we have that's burgeoning right now, all of that reminds me of the Tower of Babel. We're going to get, build a tower that goes to the heavens and, and we'll be able to converse with God on a face-to-face -face basis. You know, there's that kind of hubris. There's that kind of pride in what's going on today. Oh, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because when we think AI developing the cover, um, just coming up with the drawing for the cover, and by the way, it wasn't AI that came up with the book. That was me. But it was well, I'm it, glad, and I'm not artificially intelligent. In fact, some people question my intelligence. But uh, when we look at it with this, if you think okay, AI came up with this, well, what happened at the Tower of Babel? That was Nimrod the original type of antichrist who says, hey, you guys, uh, let's build a tower to the heavens. And, and, you know, you go into the Tower of Babel, which I do also talk about in the book, but you go into it and you look at it, what were they attempting to do? So it's not a coincidence. I, I, AI would certainly know what the Tower of Babel was just from all the information that's out there and what the Tower of Babel represented. Uh, Nimrod is behind it. So guess what? You come up with this picture on the front. It doesn't look like the Tower of Babel that was painted, you know, a couple hundred years ago. This is a whole new, it's a whole new uh, picture that it came up with. Yeah, and the whole Tower of Babel concept is 
that we can uh, break through, uh, if you will, a kind of a barrier between heaven yep. and earth. And uh, I think that modern man has that same idea fermenting in his, in his mind these days. Oh, a- absolutely. Uh, so w- what's Nimrod promise? Listen, we don't, it's really, it was, uh, I'm God. We're building a bu- up to the heavens. This is who we are. This is who I am. And there's this promise of peace. There's this promise of security from Nimrod. I'm going to take care of you. All is going to be good if you stay here with me, right? So God split that up. So what do we have the promise when it comes uh, coming from artificial intelligence now uh, from the likes of people like Yuval Noah Harari and uh, the rest of the people in the Silicon Valley and these globalists worldwide? The promise is, same one in the Garden of Eden. Listen, if, if, if you listen to me, here's what God doesn't want you to know. You will be like God, and you will never die. So this is the promise that is coming through what we see, the direction of technology, um, all the the whole uh, socioeconomic system that's developing, all the cultural things that are developing. Everything is going this way. And the promise, people are very selfish. They're narcissistic by nature from birth. And because of that, this feeds into people, just like the serpent with Eve, You'll be like God. You won't surely die. What's the promise? You're going to be like God. You're not going to die if you get augmented with and, this. And what you're talking about is genetic uh, manipulation and through uh, artificial intelligence, through through computer generation. And, and computer generation is developing at such a rapid rate, you can't measure it. I mean, every week it's a new thing. But AI they're saying now can build super cells and super beings uh, just by modifying the human genome. And that does that not sound like uh, something that we've read in the book of Revelation? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, when you start looking at the book of Revelation, you have so many different dynamics that are in there, um, whether it be the demonic things of Revelation chapter 9, uh, but you walk right on through the process and what, what happens to people when they receive the mark of the beast? Something happens to them. Certainly there's the spiritual dynamic, uh, because we know from Revelation chapter 14, when a person receives the mark of the beast, the angel says, hey, there is no going back. You, you, you've lo- there's no hope for salvation for you. Uh, your place is the lake of fire if you receive the mark of the beast So when you, and worship his image. So when you look at that, it's a spiritual dynamic. And as many people are pointing out now in the prophecy world, Bible prophecy world, look, with what's taking place with genetic engineering, with technology, it looks like there's a good chance. And I'd be one of those people that say, looks like there's a real good chance you will be augmented. Something is going to happen to you when you receive the mark of the beast. There's a spiritual dynamic, no doubt about that. I wouldn't argue against that with anybody, but it appears something else is also going on there. And what we're witnessing certainly gives us that insight. Well, if you modify a human being, you, you raise an immediate question. Is that human being one of God's creatures? Yeah. Or is it one of the Antichrist's creatures? In other words, it, it, would that individual who receives <clears throat> a genetic boost, if you will, uh, be eligible to go to heaven? Or, or would that individual be rendered forever uh, out of God's realm, out of God's regime, just ruled out by what he has done. 
Well, a person's DNA wouldn't have to be changed much in order to mean they're no longer human. And when you start looking at it, you go, they're genetic code. So you look at it, which, uh, by the way, since there's a code, it also implies there's a creator. How could you have a code without a creator? Exactly. Uh, for all those you know, people arguing there is no creator, well, guess what? It is, I believe, this attempt by the devil himself through his people that he works with on this planet to make these amendments. And, and make no mistake about it, when, you li when we listen to these, these uh, technocrats talk, this is what they want to do. They want to change humanity. In fact, uh, going back to somebody like Yuval Noah Harari, where he says, you know, this is what they look at deplorables, which I deal with in the book to quite uh, an extensive amount also when it comes to. Well, you have a section in your book called Beastly Deceptions. And, and I think that's kind of where we are. We're talking about that. And, and, and it sends cold chills down your spine when you think about these things. Oh, uh, it totally does. It, you know, so the, the deceptions are the, they come with all the promises of, of all these wonderful things. But th isn't this the way Satan appears as an angel of light going to appear good? Yeah. And, and I think, speaking of deception, Gary, also there's this concept that, that people think they're going to recognize Antichrist. He's going to have, he's going to have horns growing out of his head or he's going to have a red cape on or something like that. People, even in the Bible, Bible students, I believe for the most part are pretty clueless just how radically deceptive Satan and Antichrist are. Uh, when Antichrist appears on the scene, he's going to be so loved, so charismatic. People are going to be so drawn to him in a way that this world never seen anybody like that. You know, well, let me just interrupt you there. I, I have my Bible open to chapter 6 of Revelation, and... Uh, the, the lamb opens the first seal, and we all know what happens. Uh, a, a white horse comes forth. There's a man sitting on a white horse. He's got a bow, <clears throat> and he's got a crown. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. And, and I think there's been a lot of misunderstanding about what he does to conquer. The word conquer is usually a war term, like using weapons, having armies, but I'm beginning to think, no, that's not the way he conquers. He's conquering from the inside out. And we're seeing a lot of organizations develop worldwide that are designed to do just that, conquer society from the inside out by changing relationships, by changing the way humans think, react, maybe even genetically. That's conquering to me. It, it is, in fact... There, when you look at this term conquering and, and the concept of it in that context, Gary, I think there's so many different things that are working together right now to bring about this conquering of humanity without firing a conventional weapon. And I think all of these things are weapons that are being used against humanity, uh, but people yeah. don't know they are. So when, when we think of the the mind being changed, okay, we understand Elon Musk wants to uh, have Neuralink uh, uh, implanted into people. And we see more companies now. Tech companies are saying, hey, we want to do that to you. We want to do that to you. All these tech companies, they want to be able to augment human beings so and to change our minds, even change how we think. Okay, so with that's technology. But what has happened in a very dramatic way, people's thinking has been altered without any technology yet. Uh, just through, uh, as we look at 
Um, you, you, we, we look, yeah. Well, I'm holding one up right now, and everybody's got one of these. Uh, it used to be called a telephone. It used to sit on a tabletop, and it, it rang, <clears throat> and you would walk across the room to answer it. And <laughs> it had a cord attached to it. It <laughs> had a, a cord attached to it. How far have we come? Every, and I watch people. Yeah, I'm kind of a people watcher. I watch people driving. Uh, I watch people walking. I watch them at the mall. And they're all walking with one of these in front of their faces. Now, that's only one step short of being connected internationally without having to carry one of these devices. And, and that is frightening to me, I must say. Oh, it is. Uh, we recognize from Revelation chapter 13, there's going to be no escape from this system, right? So what's interesting, since you mentioned the phone, um, it's voluntary, and yet people <laughs> won't, can't separate it from it. Yeah. And with that, our minds, not yours or mine, I don't mean us, but collectively, the minds of the masses have been altered already without any implementation yet of something being uh, planted into our brain or without a mark on our right hand or forehead yet. Our, the minds of the masses are already altered to a place of receiving all the different things that are coming. There's so much deception. There's brainwashing. The gaslighting has played a huge part in all of this. And we can see it. Yeah, and let me just add, uh, some of the things that I've seen lately, it, it, I see families with, with children, visit families sometimes, and they have uh, little, little children, a couple of years old, three years old maybe, and the two and three years old are, are have these devices, these that we're talking about. You can't call them telephones anymore. But they are the, they are those devices, everything devices. They'll tell you where to shop. They'll tell you how to drive. They'll tell you where the traffic is blocked. They'll tell you uh, how to get virtually anything you, you're looking for. And uh, and little two and three year old children are now manipulating these because they also have games on them, games for two and three year old children, which immediately uh, introduces a very small child to a very large, large world. This never happened before in the history of mankind. Oh, uh, nothing like this has ever happened before. I was watching a, a movie just recently, and it was Christmas time, and it was an old movie. And I was looking at the different toys that were in the movie, and they were wood cars and right. wood trains and that kind of thing. And I was thinking, <laughs> wow, how far we have come from those days, those simple days. Yes. And what's interesting, you mentioned the these gadgets in the hands of toddlers. Right. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg and what's the name? Bill Gates have gone on record to say they would never let their kids play with those things. Isn't that interesting? I had forgotten about yeah. that. You're absolutely right. I wonder why they would. Manipulation. They knew. They, the, they, they know this. They absolutely know that the, they can manipulate the brains of people, and they do it. So when the Antichrist rides forth, conquering and to conquer, and I'm still looking at my King James Bible here, and uh, the old word conquer, it always implies, you know, a sword and a shield and a horse. Uh-uh. It, it's transcended those things. 
conquering now is a message. It's an image. It's scientific. It is, uh, uh, what can I say, beyond refusal if you are caught in the web of uh, the, this new web uh, of propaganda that's being created. And, and look at the internet as a communications device and how it's being censored, how it's being monitored by institutions all over the world, how it's being used to regulate the marketplace, not to mention, and I won't even talk about banking. I mean, that's, that's very frightening, what's happening to the exchange of money. But it's all being integrated into one system, if you will. And uh, nobody's calling it the Antichrist system yet, uh, Tom. I don't, th I don't think they ever will unless they study the Bible. I, I, because it, he's going to appear so delightful and so joyful and everybody's friend. Now, it's interesting you mentioned always, the word conquer there would always uh, appear as a military conquest. And it is. And, but it, again, it's not bullets. It's not missiles. It's not tanks. Right. It's not laser beams. It's none of those things like conventional warfare or just you know, somebody being shot on the streets. None of those things. But it is a military operation. Yes. Make no mistake about it. In fact, when we look at what's going on with technology, um, DARPA is involved. DARPA is basically an, a branch, not an, like a, a subcontractor uh, for the U.S. military. I believe the Army. And so you, you look at it and you go, wait a minute, for def a defense contractors, what DARPA is. Well, DARPA is involved in Facebook. DARPA is involved in Google. Well, why is that? And you start looking. Uh, Regina Dugan, a big name uh, for Facebook, she was the head of DARPA. Well, she, she I mean, you, you start doing some, a little bit of a deep dive on what she's done. Listen, Facebook was, and Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg creates this thing called Facebook. It wasn't called Facebook at the time. He creates it. He's in college. And DARPA, gets, he gets recruited by DARPA. And DARPA has people at the top places in Facebook. It is a, these are military um, weapons that are being used, and it's coming from all these different angles. The propaganda, as you mentioned, all of this is planned. It's a planned, yeah. it's really a planned a takeover of humanity. People are not going to be allowed to think for themselves. Um, they're going to be controlled. Well, I'm looking at, at Revelation 13, and again, in, in my good old King James Bible, and we've read these things for years. When I read uh, verses 16 and 17, which I'll do in just a moment, you're gonna, I know what you're going to be thinking. You're, you're going to be thinking, I, I've memorized this. I know these verses. I know we've talked about them for years. But just in, in light of our current conversation, listen to this. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand, their foreheads, or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. So associating a, a number and a name. Now, I know what we used to think 40 years ago, 50 years ago, when we read these words. We're thinking something entirely different now when we think of these words. Uh, we, have so, we have so much more clarity, I think, now, um, which should be, right? Because in the book of Daniel, 
Daniel's told by the angel when he's, uh, Daniel chapter 12, when Daniel's trying to figure out the meaning of the last days, what's going on. Daniel's troubled by what he sees. Right. And the angel tells him. The angel says, listen, Daniel, these aren't, this isn't for you to know. It's for those who are at the time of the end. Close up the words, seal the book until the time of then. Uh, many will run to and fro and so forth. Then the angel goes on and says this, which is really interesting. The wicked at that time, the wicked will see it, but they will not understand. But the wise will see it, and the wise will understand. The implication is that everybody's going to know this weird stuff's going on. Yeah. There's alarming things that are taking place. Unnerving things are taking right. place. Uh, Daniel was unnerved by what he saw. He was. So the angel brought him into the right perspective. So everybody's going to tell. But the wicked will see it. They won't, they won't connect everything. They won't understand. But the wise will understand. Well, how's that work out? Well, at that time, as is necessary, the closer we get to the time of the end, there's a that more clarity to be able to understand what is going on. Uh, the word revelation means to unveil or to reveal, as we know. Uh, Daniel's told that's what's going to happen. In the tribulation period, I believe, Gary, that that number 666, mm-hmm. people will get it. People who are have been taught by someone like us people who who've been told by all of our viewers out there the, the the believers right that are watching this they've been warning everybody we get raptured up but those people we've been warning they're going to go this is what my crazy friend Gary told me about my crazy neighbor <laughs> yeah. and i get it there i believe that is specifically for them now we can guess what the 6-6 means now. 6-6 yeah. means now. Now, I deliberately did not read that verse. I left it. but you, I you, jumped ahead. You, you, ju- you jumped in there. No, and I'm glad you did, because here's the next verse. Uh, verse 18 of Revelation chapter 13 says, Here is wisdom. Whoa, three words in a sentence. Here is wisdom. Oh, boy, I'm listening. Uh, let him that hath understanding. Count the number of the bees, for the no, it's the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six in the King James Version of the Bible. Now, listen to this. Here is wisdom. We're talking about number and name being associated, and we're talking about uh, the number of the beast. Now, there's no better way in the world to describe a system. In other words, what we've got here is, and, and I can remember 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, people talk about, talked about computer systems. And if you, if you owned a corporation, you had to get a computer. And usually you would contact a large company and you would uh, build a room and you would put a big computer in there and you would have computer operators. In other words, you would have a system that controlled your corporation, basically. This is the same thing on a global scale. And we are now capable of doing this sort of thing. And here it has been lying, you know, peacefully in the King James Bible for millennia. But only now can we see this as a possibility and really understand what's happening. And not only do we see it as a possibility, uh, like, you know, we've been preaching on this for years and warning people, this is coming, this is coming because the Bible says it. Again, (laughs) people call us nuts. 
But now the secular world yeah. recognizes it's not a possibility. It's a reality. It is. And not only is it a reality, all of the databases, everything that's absolutely necessary, it's already here. They know it's already here. When is it going to get rolled out? Um, it Maybe it is already. It, well, it, yeah, it, I'm glad you brought that up because I believe realistically it already is. But we don't know about it yet. And the the, the reason I believe it, it already is rolled out, all the databases, all the information collected, all the controlling, all of the tracking, you know, we know the basics, but the actual day where you worship the beast, it's just it's just waiting for the beast to, to appear. Um, uh, and the rapture to take place. And along these lines, I... I yeah, and I'm ahead. glad you use the word beast because I'm doing uh, something here with, with these four verses. I've, I've read um, <clears throat> chapter 13 of Revelation, verses 16, 17, 18, but uh, uh, here is verse 15, which is a verse that precedes everything we've been talking about. And I wanted to get your reaction to this in particular. Here it is, verse 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should speak, and cause that as many as would worship the image of the beast should be, uh, that would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, we've been talking about the image of the beast for years and years and years. Right now, when I read this, it makes chills go up and down my mm -hmm. spine because we're capable of this, what we are now calling artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is describing, to a T, it is describing artificial intelligence. It sure is. If, if I go back, um, let's say 20 years in a conversation, uh, tw 20, 25 years. Right. I remember talking with a gentleman about clones, and I brought in the image of the beast. You know, what's it, maybe it'll be a clone, right? Um, but a clone is a human clone, whether or not it's a human, or, you know, it's another story. But still, it's basically, it's it, at, at 25 years ago, we weren't really thinking about artificial intelligence right. being implemented into a clone. Well, now we look, forget the clone, forget the physical clone aspect of it, um, although it may be. But ultimately, what this is, it's artificial intelligence. It's hard not to see it when you when you look at it now. The power that this has, the, the image of the beast has, is remarkable when we see it. And it's going to be so remarkable, it's going to be able to call out death to those who don't worship. It's going to be, uh, be able to call out censorship of everything that doesn't go along with the system. Um, and another thing that's interesting about this, when we hear a lot now about artificial intelligence getting out of control and can wipe out all of humanity. Two dynamics. Jesus warned that um, unless the days were shortened, no, no flesh would be saved. I yeah. used to think it was nuclear or something like that. Right. I don't think so. I think it's artificial intelligence is the warning there. And also interesting is we do know it appears that there's two people that are going to be able to control this artificial intelligence, the beast and the false prophet. Yeah. Because they're, they seem to be over it because they're not eliminated by the artificial intelligence. But anyone that doesn't go along with the beast is eliminated. And by the way, this thing we're talking about here called the image of the beast in the good old King James Bible 
uh, I, I can visualize a, a television screen. And I can visualize uh, maybe a room with a, a, a chair and a person sitting in that chair and looking out of the screen at me. And I walk into the room in front of that screen and it says, uh, hello, you're Gary Stearman, aren't you? Yes, I am. How do you know? Well, we have databases. We have, I know who you are. Sit down. I'd like to talk with you. And uh, at that point in time, I'm talking to a television screen. Am I talking to the image of the beast? Or is that the archetype of what this thing would be like? Uh, because we're capable of doing that right now. Uh, we, we're totally capable of it. And you know, so you look at where we are. Uh, the, the the world is the so the technology is in place and i believe what's what's going on is antichrist is not going to waste one second building the infrastructure uh satan knows he doesn't have any time so his man isn't going to appear as mr fix it here i am to fix everything <laughs> yeah, right until all the infrastructure has been laid so the infrastructure of technology is here i i look at the uh, at the last four years what's happened here in the world has um, exposed the weaknesses of the global system. It's exposed the problems. It's, it's exposed the problems. There's, there are certain churches that are problems. There are certain uh, medias that are a problem. There are certain groups of people that are a problem. Certain countries were more problem than others. Certain areas of within certain countries are a problem. The last four years exposed where the holes were in the um, in the globalist system, and I look and think, regardless of what people where people were with the science of that we were told over the last four years, you know, um, yeah. I want to be careful on what I say there. But regardless of which side you were on, everything was exposed. The those who are going to resist, uh, what the globalists are, who who the globalists are going to have to shut down, right. the type of media outlets when the knock comes on our door. Um, We've got to shut these down. We've got to shut these down. And so, If forth. I may interrupt you, I'm yeah. holding your book. I'm looking at, at the table of contents, chapter two. It's called Beastly Deceptions. We're talking about the mark of the beast right now. Uh, what is the mark's purpose? Could things really get that bad? You ask that question as part of, uh, of your chapter two. And how will they sell the mark to the public? And uh, how will God view the mark? Now, you go through all of these questions uh, a subject we happen to be talking about right now. And I, I, I got to tell you, I've got a little bit of a chill going down my spine. Do we live in that kind of world? And the, I'm thinking, yes, we do. So we, okay, I think it's a couple of different things. We're living in it right now, right? We're not living in the tribulation period. Um, I believe we're going to be raptured. I believe 1 Thessalonians is absolutely clear. I mean, the Bible says the harpazo is going to happen. The rapture right. is going to take place. I comfort one another with these words. So right now there's not a lot of comfort going on unless you're thinking rightly about what that passage teaches. And then you go, okay. And then 1 Thessalonians goes on to say, can't, people can't stop reading there at the chapter break because it's all in the same context. Chapter 5 Paul writes and he says, listen, they when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them, they shall not escape. So we have two different groups of people, those who are caught up raptured yes. and those who aren't. It's very clear in the context. So we're going to be raptured before the tribulation begins. 
However, we are definitely living through right now. This is an amazing generation to be alive in because we are living out this beast system that is that is coming about. And as Daniel was unnerved by the things that he saw, there's a lot of things that can unnerve you if you don't have the right perspective. Um, I got to wake up every day and remind myself, all right, think about Jesus. <laughs> think about where we're going, because if I just look at the news, I think I would lose my mind. It, it, now, I, I got to interrupt you right there, because you said something that, that I want you to, uh, to speak to in more detail. You've been a, a pastor teacher for many, many years in a, a city in Arizona and out there, and it, you know, you know, beautiful land and wonderful people. And you've, you have been a pastor and you've accomplished a lot as a pastor, and but something is moving you to the next level, if you will, or to another level. And it, you have seen something that I think other people need to see. Now, what is that thing that has moved you in the direction you've gone? Sure. Uh, so first off, pastor in California. Not oh, Arizona. I didn't. So, I, no, I'm yeah. sorry. So I, I, no, no, don't be sorry. No, I mean uh, it's hard. You know, in, people see in things my in mind, California. I went back to Arizona, and and uh, Arizona's nice too. And, uh, <laughs> Arizona's nice too. Yeah, there's a lot of nice. There's a lot of wonderful places out there. California is the place that everybody's running from. But uh, <laughs> with that, so I've been a lead pastor for two decades. Uh, prior to that, I was a pastor uh, on at Greg Laurie's church for several years, been in ministry for many years, about 30 years. And I'm still in ministry, but I recently stepped down from my position as a senior pastor at the church that I've, that I, that I've, uh, was the pastor at in order to pursue the things that we are doing right here, right? Full time. I believe, Gary, we cannot waste any more time. And I'm looking at it going, okay, God's opening doors. Uh, I, I'm thinking I have to press as hard as I possibly can. People need to be warned. They need to hear about this. So I'm doing everything I can. Our staff and crew are doing everything that we can. You guys are here at Prophecy Watchers. There's no time to be wasted anymore. And I would I want to encourage everybody. We see the finish line. All of us would yes. say in the prophecy world, we, we all say we see the finish line. Well, the Apostle Paul likened the, the Christian life to running the race, to uh, a, somebody running track. And what happens when somebody runs track? When they come around the last turn, no matter how long the race is, when they come around the last turn, they see the finish line. What does every runner do? Every single runner runs harder and faster than they did the entire previous part of the race. At the fin when they see the finish line, they go as hard as they can. The guy in last place goes as hard as he can, even if he knows he's not going to win. He goes as hard as he can. You never, ever, ever see a professional or even an amateur runner see the finish line and go, man, I think I'm just going to pull up a chair here and watch all the runners go by. Never. But in the Christian community, people do that. And in the prophecy community especially, we should be the ones that are pressing harder than everybody else to the finish line. We can't waste any more time. You can't right. pull up the lazy boy chair and just sit there and go, I'm just going to watch and take in. No, 
You're going to take in everything that you can in order to give it out because people need to hear about the hope of Jesus Christ. You know, you, you, you stock up your mind, you stock up your shelves, you stock up your bookcases, you stock up everything you can in order to give out and, and to give out everything that you possibly can. Absolutely. And I think that's a wonderful, uh, if you will, uh, urging on your part uh, to Christians. Hey, we really need to get serious right now because things are happening exponentially, which is the way they happen in science. You know, uh, scientific breakthroughs such as we're seeing right now in communications, in computing, in uh, uh, war machinery, you name it. Uh, we're going exponentially. And the church needs to move exponentially as well. Absolutely. And also, you know, the church has really been exposed and uh, over the last few years, and even now with what's going on with Israel, uh, for uh, it's like a, the genuine church and the fake church, um, the genuine believer and those who are just plain church. Uh, and and uh, we're, we're being exposed for what side we are really on. Are we really on the biblical side of Jesus, or are we just playing a part, uh, taking the nice passages, pretending like everything is going to be uh, normal, go back to normal? Everything is not going back to normal. We are not going back to where this world used to be. Everything is racing toward this finish line. And if somebody doesn't see it, it's, it's either because they're just blind spiritually, or they choose to be blind to the facts that they see in the world that they're living in. You know, as, as you were talking, and I was listening to you, but at the same time, I was looking through the table of contents of, of your book, Marking the Masses. And something that I had missed before was, the as looking at these chapter titles and, and subtitles, looking at this, I noticed a, a kind of urgency, if you will, that I had not seen before in the way that you develop uh, your questions. Uh, will, will, will the Antichrist system be totalitarian? How bad will it be? Will it replace cash? Uh, what about peace and safety? What about convenience and ease? What about financial uh, rescue? Uh, what about storage of data that tracks you everywhere you go? And I'm just reading these subtitles as you were talking. And there is a sense of urgency there, and I have felt that same thing myself. Oh, I, I totally see it as a, an urgent message that needs to get out there. And I, I, again, I just would encourage everybody to to press forward as hard as they can. You know, the the one you listed several different questions. I just think, will it be totalitarian? Of course, it will be. Will there be an end of cash? Of course. Interesting on the cash system. And that we hear about digital currencies, central bank digital currencies, and so forth. I have not heard a person yet, no matter what political side they're on or religious side, mm. I haven't heard a person yet say to me, you know, it's, you know what I hope? I hope that these globalists get rid of cash and we, go, and we all go to digital currency and are controlled. Nobody is saying that. People overall aren't excited about a lot of these plans. But again, the problem is, they don't think through it enough to go to the Bible. You go to the Bible, you start realizing, hey, I've got answers. Hey, I've got hope. Because the reality of it is people can tell something is wrong and they don't like it 
and too many are willing to just go along with it. And deception, the deception is going to only get far, far worse than it is today. You know, I would uh, urge our audience uh, to go to Revelation chapter 13 and just reread it again in light of what we now know is happening in the world today. We used to read it uh, as something in the far, far future that uh, we, we really don't know what it's talking about. You know, like it's talking about the mark of the beast and buying and selling and it's talking about the image of the beast and all of that. We really didn't know. We had no imagination about what all that meant. But now we do. I mean, it's it's looming into clear and plain view. And I think this is this should, uh, I think, motivate us as Christians to really get out there and, as you said, uh, work harder than ever before. Oh, absolutely. I think of the words of Peter, Second Peter chapter 3, where he writes about people in the last days and they walk according to their lusts. And in that, what do they do? Uh, they, they're scoffers in the last days, walking according to their, their own lusts, uh, saying, where's the promise of his coming? Our uh, fathers used to talk about this. And Peter calls them uh, ignorant, um, ignorant scoffers. They don't, they, it, yeah. and the, the concept is they, they choose not to know. They, or they choose to, even though they know what the truth is, they choose to to, to believe the lie. Yes. And why? Well, he starts out with they walk according to their own lusts, whether it be the perversions of the world or the lusts of money or the pride of life, whatever it is, right? They walk according to those things. I don't want to hear about your Jesus. Um, and so they 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 are ignorant. They uh, choose not to hear these things. And then Peter goes to talk about creation. They they deny that, yeah. even though they can see the evidence of it. So they know the truth. And then he talks about there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And then he tells the believer, what should we be doing? Since you know all these things are true, all these things are going to come about. There's going to be a new heaven and new earth. All Bible prophecy is going to be fulfilled. Therefore, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, hastening the day of the coming of the Lord. And, and that the term hastening, it all implies this is what we're supposed to be doing. Tom Hughes, marking the masses, and you have caught spirit of what's going on right now. <clears throat> I think in a way that uh, you don't waste time when you read this book. It, it, it's packed with information. Could be a little scary. Uh, but you know what? I'm not. I'm not afraid at all because I have the Bible, the good old King James. And of course, I read modern versions too. But but uh, the King James Bible speaks as clearly to the 21st century <laughs> as any uh, modern language translation. And it's what it's saying is that now we're getting so close we can understand Bible prophecy in a way we never have before. Oh, absolutely. You know, when I even when I wrote the book, I wanted to make sure it moved fast, but it had information in it that people needed. You know, you mentioned it being scary. I didn't think of it as being scary, but people have told me that. Yeah. But I, but I cannot. I, I again, my mind constantly goes back to John the Baptist. He warned of judgment. It scared, it scared some of the religious people, 
But you know what? He the purpose of the Bible is very clear. He warned of judgment in order to preach mercy and grace. And that was my goal in the book. The gospel's included at the end. And I I look at it as something that's necessary to wake up the masses because I did it in a way that wasn't preachy or religious. I wanted it to get in the hands of the masses of people. Tom Hughes, Godspeed to you. Keep up the good work. And I can't wait for your next book, which I'm sure you're working on, right? Yes. Yes, I am working on it. I prefer to be raptured first. But if we're not raptured, then we'll have the next book Amen. out. This week in Bible Prophecy, I'm Gary Stearman. Thanks for joining us.